Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have Matt Faircloth. He is the co-founder of the DeRosa Group, a real estate investment firm, which has closed over $40 million in transactions involving private money and currently controls 700 units. He writes extensively for Bigger Pockets, hosts a YouTube show, and the author of the Amazon bestseller, Raising Private Capital. So thanks for being on the show, Matt. It's awesome. Awesome to be here, Charles. Thanks for having me. So uh, I touched a little bit on what you've, uh, what you've done over the, the last 15 years, but um, can you give us a little bit of uh, your background prior to starting your current real estate investment company, uh, DeRosa Group? Sure. Well, you know, I, I um, went to college at Virginia Tech um, and I got my degree in engineering because people told me I should be an engineer because I was good at math and science, you know, and, and um, even though, so I said yes as a, an, any good young 17-year-old did. So I got my degree there and by the time I figured out what an engineer did, um, it was too late. I already had my degree and I realized, oh, geez, I actually don't want to do this. Um, I think it's so true of so many college students that they, that they just get into something and realize, hey, you know, actually, this isn't what I want to do. Um, so I, I made the best of it and I got a, I got a job in sales that it was kind of sort of related to my degree um, and had a good, made a good living, um, made plenty of money as a sales rep. And, um, and then, uh, but just knew, I just felt like I wasn't, it wasn't my calling, but I was just kind of doing it as a job, you know, just a cog in the wheel and a cog in the system and it's fine. Um, but then I read Rich Dad Poor Dad um, and it opened up my eyes as, you know, I think that many, most real estate investors I know uh, read Rich Dad Poor Dad and completely changed their life and made them realize, hey, oh, hey, wait a minute. There's a whole nother way to live life um, and a whole nother way to, to, to look at making money and things like that. So um uh, fast forward to my wife and I, um, uh, well, girlfriend at the time, uh, and, and I got ma- then got married and decided that we would um, that we would live below our means and allow me to quit my job and start investing full time. Wow, awesome! Yeah. Why did you choose real estate as your investment vehicle when you're doing that? Um, I chose real estate as my investment vehicle because. Um, at the end of the day, it was, it was something that I, I mean, I knew I could figure out, I had already owned a house hack, you know, using bigger pockets terms. Um, I would, I had, uh, I had bought a, uh, single family home, lived in, lived in one bedroom and, uh, rented out the other two to two friends of mine. Right. Um, and so I, I had that, I had that arrangement going on and I realized, Hey, this is actually pretty cool. And I can handle landlording and, and I'm kind of handy, but not really, but I, I just know the financial side of it and the, and the selling side of it and stuff. So I just, there's certain parts of myself that really spoke to, um, to, to real estate that I decided to hear, this is something I want to run with. Uh, so that I, I just saw a bit of myself in, in real estate. And also I wanted the lifestyle that real estate could create for me. Yeah, no, it's pretty powerful. And so where do you now with you've invested in like single family, mixed use, retail, office space in, in all of those different properties. Now you focus in on mainly on multifamily. Is that where your company focuses on? 
apartment complexes? Uh, yes. Well, yes and no. I mean, but that, that's that our current holdings are not just multifamily. Okay. Um, and so I've gotten a lot of exposure to other different types of real estate as we've grown into the business and tried a few different sectors and, um, and found a few things that worked. And, and we're, we're primarily um, residential uh, property owners. That, that is our, that's like 90% of our portfolio. We do, I own an office building that I'm sitting in today that's a small business center called The Hive. Um, like a beehive, um, and it's uh, sitting in Trenton, New Jersey, and and that. So that's uh, where uh, that's our one commercial asset. I do own some buildings with storefronts and stuff like that, but our growth has been in multifamily because I find it's a good way to scale. Um, it's become really hot and competitive, and and uh, and that lately, and and that's not why we're into it because we were in multi, we were in residential real estate before it was cool. Um, so, but that's just where, what we've learned how to do. And that's what I know how to landlord and I know how to create value in residential real estate because of our 14 years of our 14 year track record. What markets are you guys uh, mostly invested in for multifamily? I'm in Kentucky, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey today. Uh, we have tried to get into a few other markets. We've been trying to get into Alabama. Um, we've been sniffing around Tennessee. Uh, as a few other markets to get ourselves, and I, but I don't view a state yeah. as a market. By the way, I'm, I, but there's cities in that in those states that I really like. So yeah. I, I think it's actually a mistake to say I'm in Florida. Well, okay, <laughs> I, I'm 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 kind of broad brushing it, but there's a few specific citywide markets that we like in each of those states that I listed. We're not just in the whole state. We're in specific MSAs inside them. What um what do you guys look for for property? Uh, so neighborhoods, are you guys more of B investors? So B class investors, are you like C class investors? Um, what is your business plan really when you go in what you're looking for and what makes the decision, what, what's the deciding factor for you purchasing a property? We do, so um, I, I gotta find some way that I can add value to it. And that's just, and it's not cause just value adds just the way to go. I mean, back in the, I remember back in the day when you could actually buy a property and, and just like, like a miracle, it would actually cash flow right when you buy it. Um, you know, because the prices were reasonable compared to what the rents, the property got. Um, these days, the only real way to make money in real estate that I see is through value add. Um, and value adds where you buy a property, you do reno, increase rents and stuff like that. And, um, you know, turn up the, turn up the income, turn down the expenses yeah. and try and find a way to open up that net operating income line item and, and, you know, get the property making more money so that you can monetize that through a refinance or a sale. Um, but we've bought many properties that just magically cash flowed right when we bought them. So we didn't have to do much aside from just get behind the wheel and drive it and bring in better landlording skills and better property management skills and stuff like that. But that's, that, that's uh, unfortunately not something that happens as much these days. So our business plan is value add and we've always been workforce housing landlords. I don't do, I've done a few luxury deals um, on the fringe. I've built some luxury houses uh, and sold them and in that, but our, from a landlording perspective, we're typically workforce housing. So you would call that C-class real estate. People that earn around the median income uh, of right. a general market, those are my typical tenants, you know, um, and I'll do what I call workforce luxury. I'll get in and do workforce housing model and then we'll go and put in, you know, uh, a, a workforce housing tenant will pay you more rent for things that, that an A-class tenant might take as a given, like as a necessity, mm. like central air, like a yeah. dishwasher, like a washer dryer connection, or even a physical washer dryer in their apartment. Um, these are all big upgrades to workforce housing tenants and they'll pay you more money for those things. Um, and that, so that, that's what I go for is 
Uh, and that's why I like C4, uh, I like C-class housing because I've, I have been through one recession already. Um, and so I think C-class housing is recession, is recession proof because that's what I saw when I was invested in C-class housing. Um, so that's number one. And number two, it's very easy to do. I think it's easy to do value add on that level of real estate. Yes. Yeah. No, um, I started purchasing real estate, uh, 06 and it was all C it's, the majority of what I own is C-class properties. And like you said, it's much easier to weather the recession. Um, we didn't really decrease rents at all. We weren't jacking them up. I mean, we were keeping them pretty consistent through 07, 08, 09 with expenses. But the thing is that you have a lot of people that come on, especially with the value add stuff that's going on now. They, oh, the B class is the best and you'll make less money. It's more expensive. Um, but I think C class, especially if you can manage it and you have the prop, if you have the team in place, which is the next question I want to ask you, um, how you manage your properties. But um, if you have that in place and you have the right handyman and the right people, um, I mean, it can definitely be very profitable. It can um, be. So we used to manage ourselves. We, we managed 115 doors on our own. Um, I mean, not we, like me and my wife, we, I, I had a, there was a point in our business where we had a 13 person team. Um, uh, we got out of that. We, we got into outsourcing everything. And just, I found that it was better to hire companies that, that didn't manage 115 units. They managed, you know, thousands of units. Um, cause there's a lot of levels of hierarchy and resources that they could bring in that I was nowhere near being able to swing, um, at 115 units. So there was an economy of scale there. Right. Um, so uh, that's, that, that's, I've learned a lot through self-managing. Um, and we, I, I managed a couple hundred, you know, 115 units with uh, one maintenance tech, um, one property manager that did all tenant interaction. I called him a tenant relations manager. So any, anybody, that, any tenant issue, be that, you know, one of our issues, which is, hey, you tenant, you haven't paid your rent. That's, that's my problem. That's, you know, that's their problem, but really my problem. Um, and their problem that's also my problem is that their heat doesn't work or something like that. Those have all been two-sided, uh, you know, issues that the tenant relations manager dealt with. I had an office manager who paid all of our bill, of our bills, and you know, paid the books. It did the books and stuff like that. And then I had a leasing agent. There's really a third party. It was really a realtor that just yeah. showed all the units for us. So, yeah, that's usually the best way. That's how we have it set up now with some of our management, where we pay them just a straight fee, which no. is obviously less than what they'll get. If they, you just came off the street to have them rent your condo, but the thing is that um, you know they're getting so many units that they're able to rent regularly, and if they're the only person, it's quite profitable for them. Yeah. Um, what um, I want to talk about raising money now. You 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 raise a lot of money for a lot of properties for what you do. Uh, you've closed over forty million dollars in transactions and yeah. seven hundred units, and you have an Amazon bestseller on raising private capital. That's being the yeah. name of it. Can you explain a little bit about starting to raise capital for someone that is new to this whole raising capital? Let's just say for real estate, because that's what we're talking about. Sure. Um, well, I mean, how I did it's a whole, I mean, it's in the book, you know, not to like, you know, yeah. go there, but it, it is in the book. Um, a lot of my personal story is there, but I think that in talking to somebody who's just getting started uh, and maybe hasn't raised any money yet, um, I think there's a few things they need to do to get their, to get their like wheels underneath them before they really start moving. For number one would be to, um, get clear on your goals because that's one thing I didn't, again, a, a lot of the advice I give people are things I didn't do. 
And the reason why I give it as advice is because, hey, I know this slowed me down because I didn't do that. So I don't want you to do what I did. I want you to do what I wished I would have done when I had gotten started. Because um, when I first got started, I didn't have a clear set of goals. And so day, you know, when I first got going, I was looking at a land deal on day one, and I was looking at an apartment complex on day two, and I was looking at a strip center on day three, and I was looking at a single family home that I was going to fix and flip on day four. Wow. Um, and it was, I had a lot of fun and met a lot of people, but I didn't really get much done the first year of business. So I recommend that anybody looking to get going on raising money, get clear on their goals of what kind of, what, you know, what kind of real estate business they want to build over the next five years. The reason why that's important is that you need to be able to convey those goals to your investors to say, this is where I want to go. And if you hit your wagon to me, this is where you're going to go. Um, so that's number one. Number two, um, I, do, I do not believe that your first deal should be raised with private cash, should be funded with private capital. I think that you should do something you know, completely outside of the box thinking and maybe use your own money for a deal for your first deal. <laughs> no, for sure. People don't think about that, but actually, yeah. Hey, maybe if you have money, maybe you should use that on your first deal. Um, you know, novel concept. But um, and if you don't have your own money, that's okay. Um, either find somebody that you like and trust, and make it like an inside partnership, like a family member or somebody that's super inner circle close to you. Um, and there's also even further creative ways to fund your own deal without raising private capital, like zero percent interest credit cards, hard money. Um, it can be expensive, so be careful with those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, it's a good way to fund your own deal and build a track record because I don't believe that people should go out and pitch their network on investing with them if they have zero experience in real estate yeah. at all, in, in real estate investing. So I, um, I, I, think it's, I think that it's imperative to build a track record. That's a lot of stuff that's going on right now too. I go to different conferences that we were talking about before and it's um, you have people that are raising money for deals, not just $50,000, um, you know, collectively it's a millions of dollars that they're trying to raise for properties and they've never even purchased a, a three unit property or something. Well, they don't even, they don't even own their own yeah. home. I was right, talking, exactly. I, it's funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine on the drive to my office today that, you know, he was freaking out because one of his friends that it's a private, that's a private money investor, like, you know, pretty much in the I quadrant of life that all they do is they make their living investing their money. God bless them. That they're just mm -hmm. recircling their, their wealth over into the market. This um, high net wealth individual, let's call them, um, was, was called by someone to pitch him on a deal. Um, and the person that called them, uh, he had his first time in real estate, never owned anything, was trying to pitch him on investing in a 200 unit apartment building deal. <laughs> And the private investor started asking a few questions to the person that called him up. Person, the person, uh, you know, still had a job, which is fine, totally okay, um, and didn't even own their own home, right? And never invested in real estate, went to one seminar, didn't own a home, um, and was now out pitching themselves as an apartment building syndicator and, and trying to pound their chest, I'm buying apartment buildings and stuff like that. It's scary, man. It's scary yeah. that these people are, are getting this license to run around, you know, are, are getting the license to run around out there and bang on, bang their head on doors and stuff like that and say, hey, you should buy an apartment building with me. When really you might not even have your financial health in order to the point where, uh, you know, right, I mean, probably running around with a bunch of credit card debt and everything else that you got to get your own personal financial house in order before you get involved in this game. Um, because there's a lot of lessons you'll learn in the small stuff as you quickly expand. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I'm not one that believes that you could go to a weekend course and then go out and buy a hundred unit apartment complex the next week. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, but the folks that tell you that are probably selling something. So, yeah, for sure. It's something, it's funny how you say that, um, about telling people what they should do, but you, what you haven't done. 
And I was talking to someone previously about, I, I have a list of stuff I've uh, mistakes over the last uh, two decades in business and real estate that I'll never repeat again. And you know, what I'm going to buy, what I won't buy, you know, issues you've had as you're doing stuff. And you know, like, you can just pass this to someone like, just use this as kind of like a, these bullet points as a guide of stuff that I did, which I highly, I suggest you, you avoid. Um, you know what I mean? But, I like uh, to say I've made it, I've made all the mistakes so you don't need to make them. You know, like, <laughs> like I, I probably just, 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 um, like I do as I, it's not just do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. Um, but it is one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I promise you, I know it doesn't work to do what I did because I tried it and now I, I did that. And then I changed course and I did what did work. And then that was, then that created success for me. Um, and so it does pay to listen to people that are not selling anything that are just out there to give you advice to, that are really just want to see you be successful. Not because you'll, not because you're willing to pay them $15,000 for advice, but because they just want to see you be successful. And that's me. That's, that's what you'll see on my YouTube channel and stuff like that. Um, you know, we take very little money for the advice that we give just because we want to see success out of people. So. Yeah, that's very, you know, that's, that's a great model. And with all the education that you put out there, uh, one last thing with your book, I want to touch on, which is very interesting. Uh, can you explain there? You, you, uh, you explain deal providers and cash providers mm -hmm. and the roles of each and how they can coincide and work together. Can you touch on that briefly? Certainly. Certainly. Um, so a, a deal provider is someone, perhaps like you and I, um, that, that go out and find an opportunity that leverage resources. Lever we leverage our network. We leverage our experience that we have in deals. We leverage the knowledge that we picked up through organizations like Bigger Pockets or through, you know, yes, the weekends and stuff like that. Um, you know, weekend courses and the analysis tools to analyze deals. And we produce something that you know, was produced through our network, was, was vetted through our, our background experience, was vetted through the skills we have on underwriting deals that we provide. Like, okay, here, this is an opportunity and I put my stamp on it. And I say, this is something that I think is a good deal. Um, and I'm willing to stand behind it and I'll run it and operate it given my experience and my network. I'll run it and bring it to fruition. Um, and, that's my, and that's my warranty that I'm putting on it, that I'm, I'm vouching for this deal that I found and I'm willing to run and make it profitable. That's what the deal provider does, is that side of it. Uh, the cash provider is someone that says, listen, I've got some extra cash. I, don't, I have money. I don't have time. And the deal provider has time. So the cash provider is really in a great position. It's a double-edged sword. It's in a great position because they're able to really leverage the deal provider's uh, knowledge and know-how and skills and, and their willingness to ride the deal to fruition. Um, they're leveraging all that. In, in exchange for them just putting capital into the deal and making a really great return on their money in exchange for putting it to work. The other side of it is there's a lot of, you know, shysters out there that are you know, yeah. out there presenting something or, or trying to force a square peg into a round hole um, because the multifamily market's very competitive right now. Um, and so they're out finding a deal that's already overbid at the tippy top of the market. And they're still trying to say, Hey, listen, this is a good deal. When really all it is, is just a deal they found. It's not really something that's vetted or cooked or anything like that. It's not, it's not something that's, that's really going to work. It's just an apartment building deal, you know, right. and it, it's, it's not something that's really been vetted and doesn't really have a stamp on it that, it, that it's going to work. It's just, Hey, you should invest in this deal. Cause this is what I found. You know? right, yeah. Something I right. found on LoopNet, and now you should invest in. Right, it. I found a deal on LoopNet. <laughs> you should invest in it with me. Give me lots of money, and then try and then trust me with your fortunes and stuff like that. But it's not. Um, so that's the the bad, the downside, the 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 risk the cash provider is taking is choosing the wrong syndicator. Um, the upside that they the uh, if the cash provider chooses the right syndicator, 
then they can really do extremely well and benefit from the efforts of that syndicator that has integrity to choose the right one. Um, I've had people, I've had people retire uh, through working with me and I, I don't, I don't attribute all that success to me. I think they set up their lives in the right way that it didn't take much to get them mm -hmm. to retire. But I had a guy that um, had moved to America from Argentina, um, worked his way up through corporate and was investing his money that he made in corporate um, in some real estate stuff, mostly with me. Um, and he was able to make enough money that he was able to retire at 34 years old and, wow. move, back to and move back to Argentina. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That, and what was his role? He was more of a cash provider on that? Passive investor. Passive investor. Wow. Yeah. Even better. No phone calls. No God nothing. bless. <laughs> Just I know. One email a month and you're all set. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, you do the count, you count your money email, you know, let's see how we did today and, and that, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that I was able to provide that to him. So Matt, you, you write for bigger pockets pretty intensively. Yeah. You do webinars for them. Um, you hosted a Rosa group, the YouTube channel, and uh, you have a number of different video series on that. Can you, can you touch on your different education that you, uh, that you partake in? Sure. Um, I, yeah, it's a good way to call it education. Really, it's like uh, my YouTube channel currently is called the Landlord Chronicles because it's just it's 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 a chronicle that I started when I first got going and uh, on on YouTube when I was um, self managing. So we put a lot of our day to day experience in self managing property, and I still put some of that out there. Like just a couple months ago, we had a tenant completely wreck one of our units, and so I just walked it with the cows. Like, okay, let's turn the cameras on, go see it, you know, and. And like, hey, listen, this, this is landlording. This is what it really looks like. Just so you know, as a tenant completely trashed my apartment, let's go see it. This is what can happen. You're probably not going to be counting your money on a beach in Tahiti sipping Mai Tais anytime soon. You're going to be dealing with this. This is what it looks like. So um, we, we try and put not a rosy colored glasses spotlight on real estate, a, a real spotlight, because it's a very uh, rewarding and can be lucrative business. Um, but I think there is a misnomer on how it gets painted by a lot of the folks that are out there. Um, so my goal is to tell people the true story of what it is to invest in real estate and prepare them to be successful in investing in real estate. So that's what the YouTube channel is all about. That's really what's behind a lot of uh, what I do for bigger pockets and what I do for, um, in the book that I wrote, Raising Private Capital, um, was really not like a story of, Hey, look at me, look how I raised millions. I did. Um, but it's how I did it and how they can do it too, because that's what I truly believe is a lot of people can do what I did. You know, I, there's really nothing special about me. The only person that thinks I'm special is my mother, you know, and that's it, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I really hope that other people, uh, my, that I hope I inspire other people to do what I did in a practical manner too. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so Matt, how can more people get in touch with you? How they learn more about your real estate company? And I'll put all the links below for YouTube and for your bigger pockets. So we've been at we were, uh, I guess, call it smart or just maybe if it's maybe even it's lazy enough to put everything on my on my website. So there's only one place to go, which is derosagroup.com. And on that website, on derosa d e r o s a group.com, they can check out you know, the, my YouTube channel, there's a link over there to that. There's a link to my wife's podcast called the real estate invest her show, which is invest the, the travel of the female real estate investing, real estate investor. Um, there is, uh, there is links to the work that we do for BP. Um, you can buy the book off the website, right. um, which you can also get it on Amazon and bigger pockets. So th there's a lot, there is a, a link through to everything. You can also learn about if, if you're interested in, in hearing more about what we offer to investors, um, that's all there too on at derosagroup.com. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I really suggest the book. It's great. And uh, like we were talking earlier, the forwards written by Joe Fairless, who um, has raised a uh, hundred million dollars plus for real estate. So a great person to have to write your forward for your book. So that's awesome. But um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for being on the show today. And I'll put all those links in the bottom of the podcast and of the bottom of the YouTube video. And I look forward to uh, touching base with you uh, in your future. Thanks, Charles. It's been great being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Hi, guys. This is Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in investing in real estate and you don't know where to begin, set up a free 15-minute strategy call with me at SchedulePCharles.com. That's SchedulePCharles.com. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.